Does your work energize you? Does it make your impact on the world? Welcome to Start Anew, the show that looks beyond success into freedom, fulfillment, and your passion-driven career. Join your host, Sumbul Sang, for inspiring stories and bite-sized training to help you start anew with clarity. And now, here is Sumbul. This interview is coming to you from a theater in North London, United Kingdom at the book launch of Joyful, a truthful guide to finding peace and living a fulfilling life by my friend Tox Adebi. Today, we unfold the story of how Tox went from feeling lost to finding himself, how he started anew in life, a purposeful and joyful man. We also discuss the golden nuggets from his book. But first... Who is Tox? I first met Tox in a corporate setting with about 50 people on the floor, but he stood out. Not just because he is tall, dark, and handsome, and not just because he has an infectious smile on his face all the time, but more so because he has an air of a man who's got it together. As I got to know Tox, I discovered a deep and soulful man on a mission to spread peace and joy through his stories and his wisdom that he has learned the hard way in life. In this book, Joyful, which is part memoir and part how-to, Tox illustrates how anyone can find inner peace and everlasting joy. Tox Adebi, congratulations on your author debut. Here we, here we are a few minutes before your book launch. How does it feel? It feels great. Um, it's been quite a busy day, but I'm ready for it. And uh, this is the moment I've been waiting for for a very long time. So I'm really grateful to have this moment. I'm so excited to talk to you about your book and your beautiful message. Um, <clears throat> but first, let's get to know your story, the journey that has led you here to write this book. Take us back in time and tell us what was it like growing up in Nigeria and really paint us a picture of the society and the social pressures that you experienced as a young boy. Growing up in Nigeria, well, in the parts of Nigeria that I lived, um, I grew up in the south and initially in uh, a place called Shagamu, which is in Ogun State. And then after that, we moved to Lagos, where I spent most of my sort of uh, youth. Um, now, growing up in Nigeria, there was a lot of pressure to, to have wealth. Um, the society placed a lot of emphasis on, on those who were seen to be rich. And even from as young as I can remember, probably four or five, um, even at school, you would find that there was a lot of pressure. You weren't seen to be part of the cool kids if you didn't have uh, one of the latest bags or the, the nicest uniform or if you couldn't take holidays to England and other parts of the world, you just didn't fit in. So the pressure started building from then. And even where, where I lived as well, because initially we grew up in a very nice part of Shagamu, where my dad was still at a place called Wapco, West African Portland Cement. Um, it was very nice, but it was a, it was a gated estate. But on leaving the estate, you would notice a lot of poverty. So even then, you could feel a big divide between what we had and what I could see on the outside. So there was that pressure to, to have wealth. That's how I grew up. Let's move forward in time to your student life in the UK. Tell us what did you do for work to support yourself and how did it make you feel? Uh, being a student here, um, I had to support myself uh, because my mom couldn't afford the international fees at the time when I just came here before I got my British passport. Uh, although I was born here, um, I didn't have the British passport initially. So, and even when I got it, 
she still couldn't afford the fees because she didn't have that much money. So I had to get a job. I worked in William Hill for many years. Uh, most of my student life, I was actually working with William Hill, uh, earning uh, about six pounds something an hour, I think it was at the time. And uh, I would work weekends, uh, three, four days a week. A lot of my friends at the time were staying in different campuses, but I had to stay in London because I was living with a friend because I couldn't afford the uh, campus fees for the accommodation. So I stayed with a friend who gave me free accommodation. And that way I was able to pay my way through school with William Hill. For the benefit of our international listeners, tell us what is William Hill? Uh, William Hill is a betting shop. <laughs> so I was a cashier at a betting shop, yes. Yeah. Before that, though, I mean, that, I spent most of my time working at William, William Hill. But before that, I worked as a parking attendant, which a lot of people hate. I don't really like to disclose that because I could get beaten up on the road. Um, I worked as a parking attendant and I also worked as a cleaner. How did that make you feel? And especially tell us about that fateful encounter on Bond Street that left you joy and jobless. You're talking about the one where I was a parking attendant. <laughs> now everyone hates parking attendants. And growing up in Nigeria, as I said, I said there was a lot of pressure to be wealthy. As I wrote in the book, society sort of looked down on you if you didn't have wealth. And you did everything you could to fit in with society. On coming here, a lot of Nigerians tend to come here for summer holidays and, and a lot of them had money. And uh, there was a time we moved from the, uh, shall I say, the, the lesser parts of Lagos to the wealthier parts of Lagos. So when I went to secondary school, or you call it high school, I was in a more upmarket part of town. So a lot of the friends that I sort of made lifelong relationships with were quite wealthy because they live in wealthy neighborhoods. Now, working at, it was a place called Apqua. Um, when I was working in central London, Zone 1, I always tried to stay away from Bond Street because I knew that was, well, Bond Street and Oxford Street because I knew those were the two main places I was likely to bump into someone. But on this fateful day, I don't know what happened to me. I don't know why I got the confidence to go on Bond Street thinking nobody will see me. I think it was a case of no one had ever caught me. So I thought, Ugh. No one's, no one's going to catch, catch me today. And uh, I ventured onto Bond Street for a very brief period as well. And then I saw a lady that I knew. A very popular lady back back in school days. I tried to hide, but she she caught me. And I will never forget the look on her face when she saw me. I tried to pull my hat down so she wouldn't see me. She walked straight up to me, trying to see if it was me. Looked me in the face and said, with, with, a, with a stare of shock, and said, Tokes, oh my goodness, tell me this is not true. I will never forget that day. At that very moment, I found myself explaining to her. I just started explaining myself. I don't know why I was explaining myself because she wasn't someone I was... I knew her, but we weren't close. We weren't like friends as such. I just knew her. She was a popular girl. But at that moment, I felt so ashamed. I felt, what am I doing? This is really bad. I've just been humiliated. Everyone's going to know. She's going to tell everybody that Tokes is a parking attendant. Everyone who knows me is going to laugh at me. They're going to think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a lesser person. And I may not get invited to the social outings that I want to get invited. I, I just started dreaming up things in my head of what the repercussion of her catching me on, on the street would be. That day, I went home. I, was, I felt so bad. I just lay down on the bed and I was just thinking... Oh my goodness, I can't believe she caught me. The next day, I resigned. I resigned from that job, not because the job was not paying me well, not because I wanted to resign or had any intention to resign at that given moment. I resigned because of the way she made me feel. I resigned because I felt really poor. I felt really humiliated. I felt really, I just, I just felt like a nobody. And I decided to resign on that basis. Now, there's a time in your life you describe as, now in your own words, I felt like a man on a plane to New York when my intended destination is Bangkok. Tell us what do you really mean by that? What I mean, what I mean by that is 
I was going the wrong way. Um, in life, in in general, uh, I was <laughs> I was chasing the wrong things. So within me, I knew that there was something else that I needed to be pursuing. I knew that, but because the society they placed an emphasis on the level or the, the type of career you chose, the type of work you did. So you you kind of just were doing things to fit in. You cared so much about what people thought that you weren't living a life that was true to yourself. You were living a life to f- to please others. So that's why I said I felt like I was on a plane to I was in New York and the intended destination was Bangkok. Because I was just moving according to what I felt the society expected of me, as opposed to where I knew within my heart I needed to be going. So now, give us the 60-second version of how you went from feeling lost in your life to finally finding yourself. 60 seconds, wow. (laughs) That's a whole book. (laughs) Okay. I felt lost. I felt lost because... For a long time, I pursued things that I felt would give me joy. And every time, I mean every single time, I achieved those things, the joy was short-lived. Every single time. I would pursue business, not like there's anything wrong with business. I like business, I enjoy business. But the way I would pursue it, as though that was all I needed to be significant. That's all I needed to feel to feel good on the inside, you know, by achieving this business goals, people will accept me, society will accept me, and I will achieve this status. Therefore, I will be joyful on the inside. But it was a lie, because I would pursue these things because of that pressure, and I would achieve some of them, but then the joy will be short-lived. All that would happen is that my heart would create a new goal to, uh, to, to achieve more, and then I will start chasing more, and I achieve more, and then uh, the joy will be short-lived. Sometimes I failed, sometimes I succeeded. As you can see in my book, Joyful, there was many ups and downs, but I was pursuing for the wrong reasons. And eventually, as I share everything in my book, I found myself. I found myself that I had been chasing the wrong things and I was not living a life that was true to me. I was living a life to please everyone, everybody else. Now I'm so happy. I have so much joy. I may not have, at this moment in time, I may not have what I always dreamed I would have, like a Richard Branson, or I may not have that, but I feel just as rich as he is, even possibly richer, because my world does not define me. I define me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Start A New Show. We invite you to be more than a passive listener. Be a starter. Join our community and snag exclusive freebies from Symbol and her guests at letstartanew.com. Create your vision of freedom and fulfillment right here on the Start A New Show.